Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Today is um, um, the International uh, Transgender Day of Visibility. So I want to wish you a good day, wish us uh, a good day. Uh, and um, maybe uh, um, express my uh, personal sentiment um, of uh, having a lot of gratitude to uh, uh, trans folks uh, um, for their contribution to uh, to uh, a waking up to uh, yeah the nature of life to uh, yeah to questioning uh, norms and uh, assumptions In a way that uh, I think is uh, beneficial for the whole of society, and uh, personally, as a cis person, I benefit a lot from the reflections, uh, um, integrity, uh, audacity uh, that trans people uh, show. And uh, I'm um, I'm hearing here um, um, I think uh, as echoing in my mind uh, words of uh, Rene Rivera. Uh, uh, talking about uh, um, I'll say it in my words here uh, I think uh, of transitioning trans, trans, the experience of trans, trans transcending trans, transforming trans is so inherent uh, it's so absolutely and maybe only what the experience of the world is for a human being. Uh, you know, uh, in all kinds of ways, but certainly in some of the ways the Buddha talks often about uh, when he talks about uh, aging, uh, disease, and death, you know. 
And to me, it's actually very clear uh, in the last week, uh, in a particular way, the the transformation that the body goes through. Because um, I can't see from close nor from far anymore. (laughs) And uh, there's definitely transformation happening just at that level. You know, not to mention all the rest, but um, and uh, yeah, so 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 inherent uh, in the in the Dharma itself is uh, you know there's an essence that uh, that is there, but as you know, it's been moving through cultures and time and. Um, preserving its essence, but uh, taking so many forms and and stories and cultures and languages, it's happening now here in English, you know, and um, yeah, just, you know, uh, we're practicing Theravada here, that's becoming kind of insight, um, in Burma, there's many different lineages. Uh, the, these teaching, uh, you know, encountering uh, uh, people of China or Japan or Korea or Tibet, uh, Sri Lanka, Burma, Thailand has been transformed in all these ways. And what I'm very uh, excited about, thankful for, intrigued about, up, very optimist about, very looking forward, yeah, enthusiast about this queer dharma. I think it's only the birth of queer dharma in maybe in the last few decades, and I think it will have a lot to offer to queer people, but I think it has a lot to offer to everyone in the same way that Tibetan uh, dharma has a lot to offer to everyone, and and uh, all the other forms of, uh, of Buddhism and the practices. And, uh, and my feeling very strong is that uh, it's ours to, to create, to co-create. And, uh, and even more than ours, I think it's uh, my real feeling, to be honest, is that it's yours. And I can't wait to hear uh, the Dharma through... Uh, the queer dharma through your voice, you know, and what will be uh, our c- contribution to our own uh, healing and liberation, but also to all these poor, I have a lot of compassion for them, heteronormative people. <laughs> uh, yeah. So playing a little bit here. Uh, but uh, no, no, I totally think that uh, there's, there's, a, there's a queer dharma that is going to be so powerful and, uh, and beautiful with its own uh, images and, you know, some that I've gathered a bit from other uh, teachers and practitioners that you've heard also that I, are so dear to me. Um, and I've heard you, Anushka, but others too at different times through maybe reading or in an oral way talk about the Buddha as a trans being, you know, the, the Buddha, uh, you know, escaping their um, heteronormative lifestyle, 
to go on a search for uh, for you know you know what what is reality what is true what is uh, and uh, you know changing their name changing their 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 attire where they they look to reflect who they are truly and And so t- this to me is an extremely powerful image. I feel it's very empowering um, for me in this tradition. I'm, I'm thankful, uh, uh, yeah, that it brings uh, emotions uh, in my system. Um, and I think it's only yeah, the beginning of this and... and uh, In an anticipatory way, I'm rejoicing for all what we'll discover uh, of, of this queer dharma. You know, um, talking about transformation, trans change, uh, dynamic nature of of the world. Um, Many of the teachings are pointing just to this, and you've heard this this week, but you've heard it uh, also uh, maybe or probably before, the, the, uh, the importance of um, uh, coming close to any event to see how it, it's, it's inherently dynamic, how it's uh, transforming itself, but how also it can be seen or held from moment to moment, uh, the in- incredible, uh, is that the word in English, plasticity, pliability of, uh, of reality. It's, it's incredible. The Buddha used the image when he talks about the body of foam. Foam is, you know, inviting us through an image uh, uh, to become aware how The body is uh, is is transforming, is is dynamic, is uh, and um, you know, like foam at the side of the of the the ocean, with every wave changing form, and also kind of empty in its uh, in its nature. There's nothing to foam a huh? series of bubble, if I can call it like this. It's 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 transformable. It's uh, And just now I was doing the walking and I was amazed that what I call Pascal is so foam-like. You know, it was, it was, um, it was a s- sensations, and it, mainly sensations in uh, the feet. Uh, so it was a series of sensations and imagery. I had an image of my f- feet in this little box sh- called boot or shoe, you know, like protected from wetness, from rain. And... You know, I could feel sometimes the kind of skinniness of the this thin feet, and sometimes the boniness. And there was all these images of, uh, and uh, and I was like, wow, what's what I call Pascal is a series of sensations. It's con- constantly changing from. And you know, when I was on one feet, it was heavy. When I was on two feet, suddenly there was a, a sense. Uh, uh, on two feet, kind of towards the toe a little bit. It was kind of, it felt light. I was like, wow, there's such a thin, light body, this body, you know, you can feel it. And as soon as I was more on the, on the heels, suddenly it f- felt heavy. And this play of uh, heavy, lightness, 
and this imagery of a feet inside the shoe. I was like, this is what I call moi. It's this series of images that are changing all the time. This series of attention moving, appearing, you know, revealing image, revealing sensation, revealing image, very intermittent, very, uh, you know, and I collect all this, uh, you know, and makes me think of what you were presenting, I think, this morning in the Q&A. Anushka, like, it's so compact, it feels like it's me. But when I look in a more granular way, uh, it's a series of little events, of uh, images, of sensations, and they keep changing. It's very foam-like, foam-like. Uh, so the body has, uh, has foam. And the Buddha used a series of images that I've heard maybe 25 years ago, and I keep traveling on re- from retreat to retreat with these images, and in my practice, they, they invite me to come closer to this uh, awareness, intimacy with the changing foam-like nature of uh, experience. And the Buddha used the image of the bubble to talk about uh, pleasure and displeasure in our experience. And so, and he's even bringing some of the season in to talk about uh, impermanence and say, oh, Imagine, well, let's say now in, sp- in the spring, you know, rain is falling in a little uh, puddle or on a little body of water like there is here. And when one drop falls, it creates a little bubble at the sur- or, or a few little, tiny little bubble at the surface of the water. They last only a moment, you know, these little bubbles and they disappear. And the Buddha says, our, our experience of pleasure and displeasure are exactly like this. They're bubble, unstable, changing, ephemeral, nothing at its core. It's just something that appears, you know, and that we can kind of grasp, you know, try to keep the feeling of comfort or ease going, but just two minutes later, you know, it felt good when I sat on my cushion, you know, and two minutes later, it's not even started the meditation, you know. <laughs> Everybody's not even there yet and starting to ache, you know. The, the ease of being in the body is already gone. <laughs> and so the Buddha used this image of the, the bubble the, and to invite us to go check, is that true? Is that true? You know, and... Uh, and um, so, and I think we're developing, it's not me, I'm just, it's, it, it's, it's really, it's my, for me it's like I'm excited about this because of the, of what my colleagues and other people, other queer thinkers and practitioners and, and you, you will, what you'll come up with, but I'm delighting in the imagery that is starting to appear that is so queer and that is as the same depth of the Buddha's imagery, but is is our imagery, you know, that talks to us, and will be, will be able to offer it to the whole of humanity, you know, because they'll enjoy the, the queerness as much as maybe uh, we can enjoy the particularity, cultural particularity of how the teachings uh, have taken form, have been, uh, you know, uh, preserved and. Uh, cultivated and cared for and uh, etc and so an image that uh, that I that is dear to me 
uh, comes from uh, Marlon uh, Barrios uh, Solano, uh, who used to work at uh, the Inside Meditation Society, where we partly trained and practiced a lot, and um, who teaches also uh, meditation and mindfulness. And uh, Marlon is also um, um, a dense, contemporary dense scholar, thinker uh, of, of uh, movement and dance. And Marlon was uh, describing being at a conference uh, in Berlin, at the dance conference, and where there was workshops. And so dancers from all over the world, from different genres of uh, dancing, were gathering together and sharing knowledge, you know. And, and so Marlon is describing one kind of moment of, of uh, I think he's, he was describing this as a deep wisdom you know, that appeared in the dancing workshop. Uh, and it was um, a New York uh, voguing artist who was sharing their dance form and, the, you know, this, maybe this, the story how it came to be and the, the particularities and the technique and the meaning, philosophy, etc., worldview around this. And, uh, and so this artist was kind of coaching people and, and showing... And, uh, and at some point, Marilyn says that this person said something like, Honey, it's all empty. Your boring personality is completely made up. It's empty. So you have the right to be fabulous. <laughs> Go there, you know. It's all made up. It's all created, you know. So be fa- fabulous. Don't be shy to be fabulous. It's as empty as your bo- the boring version of you <laughs> that you bring around. <laughs> And, uh, and Marlon was saying, and I was in awe, and I was like, wow, the complete depth of the Buddhist teaching here in this voguing <laughs> workshop, you know. And, and of course, the person who was saying this knew what they were talking about. They really knew about this from, from the inside in an experiential way, in a, like a deep, intuitive uh, Knowledge from the inside, from from personal experience, they knew this, so they could share this uh, as a as a as a teaching here in, in that uh, in that workshop. And so these are to me like so. There's five five of these images I'm going to present just now of the Buddha talking about the the impermanence, unstable nature, changing, dynamic, empty, empty nature. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll say a few words more about this uh, uh, qualification that, I, that we use here, empty. But um, so, so the image of foam, the image foam for the experience of the body. And as, you know, when we come here, we might think, my body, it's one thing. It's my body, it's been mine for a few decades, you know, and etc. And when we tune in and we slow down and we pay attention here, this is the kind of insight we'll have. And it's it's going to be uh, it's going to reveal itself probably very progressively, very gently. We'll be sitting here, and suddenly we'll discover that what I call hand is not exactly that one solid thing. It's a field, maybe now of tingling, or maybe nothing. And at another moment, it will be an area of coolness, of coldness, or warmth. At some point, it will feel be experienced as heaviness, at another point as movement, at another point as uh, coldness. And it will change. 
and slowly, okay, this is benign, that doesn't mean much, you know, but slowly we'll discover this through all kinds of things, emotions and thoughts and sensations and even the past will discover might be alters with the different mind state I'm in, you know, never, anything never worked for me, and it, you know, etc. And in a different mind state, suddenly, like, wow, I've had help along the way, you know, or managed to find my way. It appears slightly differently. And so, foam for the experience of the body, bubble, uh, and an invitation to come closer to experience of pleasure, displeasure, which we we get really, you know, uh, tight about, or bugged down, or I don't know what are the expressions here, you know about bubbles, basically, you know, <laughs> we make a big bubble about small bubble, you know, bubbles, and, uh, but this is not to be believed in, absolutely not, very important not to, it's to be checked out, you know, because the nature of reality is not mysterious and uh, remote and secret, it's not, it's all right there, it's all right there, it's only covered by our assumptions, by our lack of attention, by, by our superficial attention, if we slow down a little bit and we pay attention, we'll see how a pleasing uh, uh, sound is followed by an unpleasant sensation, followed by an emotion uh, that is either neutral or pleasant or unpleasant. It's changing like this. And then another image that the Buddha used uh, is the image of the mirage. The mirage, so important. So, oh, I love this image. For me, it's been driving my research, if I talk about practice in this way. And he talks about the, the image of the mirage, and he's saying maybe bringing the impermanence of the season again, in the heat of the summer, you know, when away there in the heat you see a body of water you know and as you come closer you see it's an illusion it's a mirage there's not a kind of either oil on the ground or water over there there's nothing it's just a mirage it appears like this and the Buddha says use this image to compare uh, compare it to our, our perceptions how we perceive others how we're perceived, you know? Wow. Is that not exactly our experience? You know, what people project on us? Uh, Fear, wrong, uh, whatever else, you know? Uh, Gender, etc., you know? So the mirage, the mirage nature nature of reality, how human beings see through, and uh, Anushka was talking about this this morning very beautifully, this very kind of particular kind of thought that is is transparent. It's not saying, oh, this is, you know. It's just like, it seems like it's the things talking to us, revealing what they are, but it's actually something else. It's projecting, it's making, it's a world creation, mirage, you know. And to, and here... And over the course of a practice, over a lifetime, we'll be able to explore this. The nature of uh, perception 
how, how things appear might not be exactly like this. And the Buddha brings this really far, really far. Like I, I've been, ah, uh, respect, R-E-S-P-C-T. <laughs> because he brings that, you know, it's not just light, playfully, you know, exploring this. is going really far. Like, for example, that impression, sense of uh, separation that we might feel as an isolated I, you know, that feels so real, maybe so true, so painful. There's me, little conscious being, here, maybe inside here somewhere, right between the eyes, you know, behind the eyes there, halfway before the other side <laughs> arrives, you know. Ah, you know, this little isolated being, and it's not going to be easy because I'm going to have to defend myself. And, you know, this, I don't know if you have this, at least some of the time, a sense of kind of, you know, little conscious eye in this big, dangerous universe. And the Buddha talks about mirage, like that, oh, that might be, you know, constructed, conditioned, learned, or, you know, came to be. Conditions were supportive for this view to come to be, and it comes with fear. It comes with fear of now, it comes with regret about the past, or hope for a better past. It comes with fear of the future, what, what will come at the end of the retreat, what... What will happen in old age, disease, death? Ah, you know, if it continues, it's going to be painful. If it stops, it's scary, you know. And through these practices, this stabilizing of the mind, this giving up of infatuation with thoughts and distractions and, and yeah, elaboration and embellishments of all sorts, storytelling. Tell that story, that story, I'm fascinated with this, that could happen, you know. But the gathering of the mind in the present moment to be able to really go and uh, come closer to phenomenon, longer one, shorter many. Is that? No? Ah, God. Okay, I should not. <laughs> I should do my own work alone and not bother anyone with, with this. So events. It's easy when things have an S at the end when there are many. So the coming closer to any event, you know, diving under assumptions, under the projection mirage of solidity, and really experiencing something, maybe uh, discovering that it's not exactly as it appears or as it felt, uh, you know, without any inquiry, without any investigation, without coming close uh, to. And for this, this, um, you know, this mirage maybe of an eye or maybe I'll continue. So the mirage, again, empty. The Buddha says there's nothing inside the mirage. And then he continues uh, with these very powerful images, I'd say, um, 
And the other image is the image of the banana tree trunk. And so now there's another story of maybe let's bring a season. Oh, it's the fall. And somebody wants to build uh, a refuge, some shelter for the winter coming. So they take an axe and they go in the woods and they start looking for some wood that will be... uh, We'll have, a, is it heartwood or hardwood? Maybe both. And uh, so that they can build a strong shelter for the winter coming. And so they go in the woods and they look around and suddenly they see this banana tree with the big leaves, huge leaves and huge uh, flower or huge fruits. And they're like, oh, voila. You know, this at the core, there will be something really... Uh, you know, substantial here. So I can count on this. So they start axing the, the banana tree trunk to find that it's, um, it's um, grass. It's a kind of big grass. <laughs> <laughs> and that there's nothing at the core. There's absolutely nothing at the core. You can't actually build a shelter like this. You cannot, like, put a post you know, that you a beam, whatever the, the, these things are called. <laughs> the urban teacher trying their luck <laughs> with country life. <laughs> and uh, so there's nothing core. And so the Buddha talks like this about our mental formations, the story we tell, you know. And uh, so you will be sitting here and oh, later and get all aggravated with the story, you know. Does that ever happen to you in the last couple of hours? <laughs> you know, and, and there's this, the fabrication of something, some story, you know, and suddenly the ring bell, the bell rings, and suddenly it's like, oh, you know, I'm here. There was nothing to it. It was mind-made, and it came with, you know... The, such a good image of the, the 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 lion of the tiger in the drawn in the cave in the in the cave, you know. So, so that imagery of nothing at the core of this. So the Buddha keeps coming back with these images of nothing at the core, empty at its core. And in our queer uh, images, we have thank you uh, to Anushka for their trip to Amsterdam at the Gay Pride a few years ago. And, uh, and, uh, and so I haven't been there, but it, that's, that's how it goes. Huh? Like I feel like I was there. You're such a good uh, storyteller, and it's so poignant when you tell it that I, I feel like, uh, like I've experienced it. Give me another couple of decades, and I'll be sure I was there. <laughs> oh, I remember when I was with Anushka in Amsterdam at the Gay Pride, and we saw the floats. And I don't know if you've seen the floats, I've seen them. <laughs> or I'm about to have seen them. <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I, think, uh, I think your storytelling is so good. That, um, uh, and so, you know, these canals in, uh, in Amsterdam and the, all these bridges. And so when there's the floats that would be, maybe in Montreal, they would be on the, on the, something on wheels, you know, and they would be coming like this. In Amsterdam, apparently, they're, uh, they're blown up, you know, and so, with air, you know, and so there's the, you know, whatever 
is, is appearing, this, this allegory, the symbol of something to celebrate us, you know. Uh, and so this thing is like, wow, gigantic and colorful. And then the bridge uh, comes, it deflates. It goes under the bridge, is that what happens? And then right after the bridge, it uh, becomes magnificent and fabulous again, you know. And, and, and it's huge, you know. It could be, I don't know what, a peacock. It could be, <laughs> I don't know what it was, you know. But, uh, and, and it, uh, it's grandiose, it's so existing, you know, like it's so impressive. Years after, you'll remember it. Even if you didn't, you weren't there, you'll remember it. <laughs> it's so impressive. And uh, yet, there's nothing at the core. It's empty. It's empty at its core. It's just like conditions coming together. You need you know, somebody who knows how to sew really well and conceive, design something, and air being blown in, you know. I don't know what the conditions are. And something appears, you know, and vanishes, and then appears like this. And so, I think, unfortunately, the Buddha never went to the <laughs> Amsterdam Gay Pride <laughs> because they would have, uh, for sure, they would have uh, incorporated this imagery earlier in the tradition. <laughs> so, and so for us, you know, like we, we tell these stories and, and, uh, and you know, and, and they reveal being empty. Do, do, do you recognize something in there? I mean, just there in the walking for me, it, like suddenly I got caught in something, some, uh, some thought about something that might happen later when I go. I don't even know how I got there. I was just, and and it, it was, it lasted about... Uh, so powerful. It's, it could be just a matter of maybe four or five seconds. And I had a whole series of thoughts and imagery about, oh, I need to take care of this if that happens. And, and then suddenly I'm like, wow, where did that come from, you know? And it didn't last long, but I was totally engrossed. For that moment, I was living that I didn't know. I had delusion, confusion. I didn't know I was at Stowell Lake Farm. I didn't have that basic knowledge of reality. It was gone. I was fixing something that doesn't exist somewhere that is not here, you know. But I got completely, del completely, a hundred percent deluded for a few seconds there. Another image that is used is, um, and is it the last one? Uh, yeah, I think so. Foam, bubble, mirage, a banana tree trunk, and the magic show. And you referred to it, I think, this morning, or at some point, I think, Magic Show, or I think, Anushka. Um, and the Buddha used this image of the Magic Show and talking about consciousness, about this experience of being conscious of uh, not the coldness itself, but what knows, what reveals, what is touched. I don't know, it's hard to use words to talk about things like this. But do you recognize something like this? You know, the stepping, not the step, not the sensation of stepping, but what reveals it, what experiences it, what, you know, this thing we call consciousness. The Buddha compares this to a magic show. And uh, the magic show here might be the, the kind of uh, 
appearance, appearance, ta-da, appearance of an eye, of a solid eye. That's how, how far the investigation, the teaching goes to, we're invited to go question this. Is there really something at the heart there, some observer or some uh, witness or victim or experiencer? Is there really such a thing, you know, that is at the core of this? Is there really? And through practice, it's not easy. It, we will need to create the right conditions, you know, the inner laboratory. It takes really very particular conditions to go and explore this. What's at the core there? What is this I I keep referring to and I'm obsessed about and somewhat fascinated by, you know? What is this kind of... Uh, how, what did I hear before? Some, this kind of uh, absolute kind of... Uh, I'm translating from French here, like, but... Um, measure unity what it, you know like a meter or feet, a what unit of measure is that what <laughs> through the mask <laughs> am I hearing yeah so this kind of unit of measure so that's what I'm hearing I'm going to repeat this <laughs> so uh, this thank you this unit unit of measure that everything is like weighted through this measurement of kind of I what does it mean for I I I like, what is this I? Strange. The Buddha used the image of a magic show, you know, that this an appearance of something. And, wow, to see through this magic show, you know, that's, that's intriguing. And my, even, like, you might me, hear me say this, and it might sound like complete heresy. Oh, everything was going fine until you brought that and now I'm not interested in Buddhism <laughs> anymore. It's going way too far. It's really interesting to me that uh, you know that the Buddha went as far as questioning this. And um, so empty, the empty nature of things. And 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 here, maybe one way to explore this, uh, to discover this, would be very very progressive, very step by step over. Y- Years of practice, you know, so that I'll, I'll take the, you know, the, the thoughts maybe as mine, me, I'm thinking, and at some point, give it just a couple of days of practice, and we'll discover maybe, wow, it has a lot to say. I, 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 I would prefer not to say so many things, but it keeps commenting. Do you see what I mean? Is, is it exactly I, or, or even this morning, Anushka, when you said, you know, it's like, when you said, it's, imagine like somebody, you would experience the thoughts of somebody behind you. When you said this, I was like, but actually I do. Not that there's somebody behind me and I'm experiencing their thoughts, but a lot of the, my thoughts are not mine. They come from the dominant group. You know, they come from heteronormative thinking. They come from, for me, from whiteness. You know, a bunch of things I've learned that I've never been told explicitly, but kind of been ingrained, a kind of a assumption of supremacy, you know, or that, and, and it colors my thoughts, you know, it, it leads. So a lot of my thoughts are not mine. They're not mine. And I'm here to actually maybe clear up 
this uh, mess, you know, of, uh, of what appears, you know. And so these disqualifying thoughts, are, are they really me talking to me? I'm not sure of that. It might have been learned or whatever else is happening, you know. Where does it come from? Are they mine? And, you know, that's what we call conditioning. There's a lot of things that cross our mind that are not ours. You know, and they, they don't have to be there, and they don't have to, certainly don't have to be believed in. There's a different rapport that is possible, a kind of waking up to, oh, no, not my friend, not true, not helpful, not healing for myself or my relationships. You know. And so a lot of the thoughts that we feel, uh, maybe all of them, none of them are exactly mine. You know, they come due to conditions some really old conditioning, some very kind of immediate. Emotions, such liberating thing to discover that emotions are, you know, like start practice being totally identified with emotions. Emotions are me, I'm feeling them. There's different way, they're either in me, or they're me, or they're mine, or I'm stuck in them. You know, there's different kind of location kind of that might appear from moment even to, to moment, you know. And as we slow down, pay attention, bring that high-quality awareness called by uh, Bonnie Duran, I like that, high-quality data collection. And I just sit here and I notice and I notice and I notice. And at some point, the pattern reveals itself. Oh, that's not me. Oh, it appeared like it was me. And at some point I was like, oh, it's, suddenly it's not like, oh, I'm overwhelmed by fear, but there's fear here. There's a, there's a lot of fear, there's strong fear here. It's not me, but it's definitely here, it's felt. We all here, or here, or here. And it influences the thinking process, you know. It's, you know, either paralyzes or speeds it up, or it it has influences in all area of the experience, but it's not me. It's doing its thing, though, you know. Ah, and there can be some freedom maybe gained through this. Oh, yeah, there's a strong reaction, strong, strong, strong reaction. It's not exactly me, but it's definitely happening. There's definitely a strong reaction or a softening that is happening. And I'm not talking about being dissociated here. It's different. It's a different way of not being identified. And so very progressively, we'll learn to um, not maybe uh, be so fused with sensations, thoughts, emotion, moods, you know. And at some point, and that's kind of uh, known to be the last hiding place of uh, uh, identification, wrongful appropriation. The, this element of consciousness that I think, well, but this is me. This is happening to me, you know. I might not be the thought, I might not be the emotion, I might not be the sensations, but they are definitely happening to me. It appears like this. 
And with further investigation, we might discover that, oh, this knowing happens. And it might show itself just for a few seconds here and there in almost an unnoticed way. Maybe what we'll notice at some point is the identification that comes back. And so we'll notice, oh, there was no identification two seconds before. And a classic case of this in the retreat is somebody is doing walking, one of us is doing walking, and at the end of the, you know, walking, there's not much, just sensations, da-da-da, reach the end of the path, and so one of us doing this, and they tur- turn, and as uh, they turn, or we turn, one of us turns, uh, suddenly we see that somebody's close by or coming our way, and suddenly there's a... <laughs> How do I look? And that's usually where I that's usually where I lose it. <laughs> like, oh my god, you know. And so this this sudden like, how do I look? You know, is uh, is um, is uh, suddenly there's a sense of I. There's an identification. Do you recognize this? And we might see retroactively. Oh, just before there was not such strong re- uh, identification, but now it's really clear. And it's really clear that it's dukkha, that it's painful to be, you know, identified. This means me, you know, this walking here means me, means me doing well or not, you know. And, uh, and at some point, oops, it might relax a little bit again. And there'll be just a stepping, the stepping. And as we practice, we'll see it here and there, you know. Uh, when did I see it? In the, I think it, it might have been around some kind of dessert, probably the lemon cake. You know, where I went to bring back the plates, and then I, w- I was putting the plates down and looking at the leftover cake and tr- strategizing, like, how can I save my face as a teacher and escape with another piece of cake? <laughs> you know, what are my options here? <laughs> I want a second one. I don't think I should. I don't want to be seen with a second piece. You know? <laughs> and somebody opened the door, and I went like, ah! <laughs> Like as if they were seeing my my, uh, then I thought, oh my God, that's too complex. Like I'm gonna run out of here, you know. And uh, but the kind of like identification with thoughts, you know, with oh, this is me. It means I'm a bad person. I'm actually greedy, and I want more. And uh, you know, and uh, and uh, and then after, you know, they're coming out and they realize, oh wow, suddenly you know this happened. You know, the conditions were such. You know, the cake was there. The, I had to go back inside. That was not my first choice, but I had to go back inside. <laughs> and this appeared, you know. And so the empty nature, bubble, foam, uh, banana tree trunk, mirage, uh, magic show, uh, floats in Amsterdam, you know. And again, I'm hearing... Uh, Rene uh, Rivera uh, giving this beautiful teaching about you know this inquiry we do, do about like the solidity the the ownership of masculinity like what what is masculinity where does it start where does it end is it something felt or perceived uh, is it in the mind in the body or it's in movement I remember in one workshop with. Uh, J.D. Doyle and Rene Rivera, they were inviting us to move around and just move the hips, move the hips. 
and it's, it was amazing. It was so simple. And suddenly I had shame, you know, that I, I was moving in a feminine way, you know. And I was like, wow, there's, there's nothing to it. I was just moving like this. And suddenly there was a whole thing like, no, don't go there. Don't you dare go there, you know. It's like, wow, the conditioning in this being about what is okay, what is not okay, what is like, oh, so femininity would reside in the movements of the hips, would it? You know, or what? What's about it? What's uh, it's really intriguing to uh, to go and question this, or is that what is masculinity? Something that you have the right to because you were born with sexuality and the genital in this way or in that way, or what is femininity? Where? What's the meaning of this? What's the construct around that? And uh, maybe the empty, changing, constructing, uh, constructed nature of this, the, the, the freedom around and, or inside, or liberation, the potential of this for us individually, but as a society, the, the possibility of freedom around these uh, things that are held with such, uh, such. Uh, Clinging, such incredible, deluded, harmful, dangerous clinging. And so the practice can, uh, is inviting us to go and check out uh, all these aspects uh, of our lives. Even for me, maybe I'll finish with this, a personal experience around the HIV and uh, AIDS. And uh, I remember being in the doctor's office, you know, and saying like, oh, you know, like, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not good. You didn't expect this, maybe. You didn't expect this, maybe. But there's this, all these numbers you know, that came, you know, and so, you know, there's the HIV, but not only this, but there's uh, no more immune system, you know, like this, it's flat out, isn't it? So there's a need to suddenly, like, go really strong with medication, and, and uh, the identity suddenly was so, so sudden and, and, and dense and, and uh, solid was, like, Suddenly, like I, I think I thought I was, uh, you know, it's very arrogant, but and misguided. But I think I thought I, I think I thought I was youth, I was uh, health, you know, I was, uh, yeah, youth and health for sure. I, 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 I mean, I didn't know this. This was under the level of being conscious, or, uh, but I think it was informing some kind of arrogance and some and suddenly there was a new identity no you're a patient and you're dying and you're ugly and shameful and you know like a 
I, I don't even have the, the, the words. It's, it's, it's just... And uh, the identity suddenly was so... seems so solid. And, uh, and through practice, it took time. It took a lot of time. And I, I slowly, over the years, discovered that, oh, no, no, no. It's much more empty than this. It's much more... Uh, intermittent than this. Sometimes I'm just somebody who's, um, you know, uh, trying to uh, open a door or somebody who's just flushing a toilet. There's no, I'm not an HIV patient or, like I, I don't have to carry this with me in this way all the time. You know, it, it's conditional. It appears and disappears in different situations. If there is a, you know, sensations, side effects, or something. Oh, suddenly it's it's there. You know, appear or in a conversation. You know, some some something is said, and oops, the identity. Re- it. This is very personal here, but to me, I found a lightness that I didn't know was there, because I thought I was stuck with this identity forever. Now, you know, and then I discovered, oh no, it's uh, it comes and goes. You know, it co- it comes and goes. And there's different, it, even itself has a different meaning. So if I'm in a community of people who experience uh, life in some similar ways, you know, it's actually beautiful. And, and, then, you know, and it, it did appear for a long time as a curse, and now I, I don't think I could ever say this about this. It appears more as a in these conditions, you know, this particular condition, it happened at a certain time, this, I live in a certain country, or etc. But now it appears as a, as a, a blessing in, in disguise, you know, a blessing. And um, so it's uh, shape-shifting. It's not one thing, it's shape-shifting for me. And it's intriguing to see how you know, it appears uh, like this, and then it appears like this, and then it's experienced like that, and then like this. And, uh, and also, what people project on this, I think I'm learning slowly that it's actually not mine. Oh, this is yours. You take care of it, you know. You, you take good care of it, this is yours. And for a long time I carried, and I, you know, when we talk about anything, there's hundreds of nuances, and also I'm talking here from personal experience, but um, through this practice, for example, I thought I had to carry an HIV gay son for my parents. And through practice, I learned that this was their life. They had to take care of their life, you know, and I could maybe accompany and contribute in some ways, you know, but I couldn't carry having a son that has or had AIDS, you know. But I mistakenly was carrying this. And at some point it became more clear, oh, but this is not my experience, this is their experience. And I could give it back to them, you know, in my own inner life, you know, say, oh, you have a gay uh, son that is sick or that is carrying something that is, has a lot of stigma around. I hope you take good
good, I hope you find your way into this. This is yours. It's not mine. I have to take care of me, you know, and this being. You take care of yourself, you know. And, and whoops, suddenly it became a little bit more light. That I don't have to carry this. It's not my fault or etc. Conditions came together. This is what's happening to you. You take care of it. You know? And yes, we can, you know, there can be an encounter, there can be a relationship, you know, but I, I'm not going to carry this for you. This is yours. To carry your karma, if we could put it like this. You know? It's your experience of life. Life is dukkha. It takes many forms. For you, there's this thing to negotiate. I truly hope you find your way into this. So, yeah, how to carry an identity or identities is it's probably going to take a lifetime to, you know, figure out or clarify some of the things there, but I like that it's moving, that it's dynamic, it can be changing, and there can be some amount of liberation, if not complete liberation around this, or anything else for that matter. Let's take just a moment and let the words uh, dissolve. May this, um, this profound kind of presence or this, this uh, curious presence or this generous presence, this womb of attention or this light presence, or this quality of presence that we're exploring and cultivating uh, lead to the development of our own wisdom, liberating wisdom, our own healing. To the capacity to share caringly and carefully the world with all other beings, no exceptions. Thank you for your consideration and uh, bon appétit. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.